Hello, and thank you for listening to this special edition of Ask the Pastor. I'm your host, Thad Yessa, and I'm super excited to dive into this week's episode. This week's episode is a part one of six that was recorded at a relationship workshop hosted by West Hills for our college students and young adults, where Pastor Will and myself walk through what the Bible says about singleness, dating, and marriage. Hope you enjoy. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 1 through 9 and verse 17. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to, her, to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement, for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I myself am. Just quick interlude there. The Apostle Paul, single, never married. Okay, so he's saying, I wish all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Now you might be like, okay, what is all of that about? So going back to verse number one, it says, now concerning the matters about which I wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. In this context of why the Apostle Paul is writing, like sexual sin is just running rampant through the church. And he's saying, hey, listen, Being single is not a bad thing. He's saying it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Meaning, Paul, as he's written numerous times before, says you should not have sex outside of marriage. So for him to be saying, hey, it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, he's simply saying, hey, singleness is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. And he's not going to say something is good unless it's actually good. It benefits him not to lie to anyone. He's not like hyping it up there like, hey guys, I know this doesn't seem like it's really good, but I'm telling you, singleness is actually good, which depending on what culture you grew up in, singleness can either be considered like a bad thing. Uh, The culture I grew up in was like, hey, if you're single, there's something wrong with you. Something's not right. All of us are supposed to be married. But that's the exact opposite of what Paul is saying here. He's saying, hey, singleness actually is not bad at all. It's actually a good thing. And then he goes on to say, uh, kind of in in corollary to that in verses 2, 6, and 9, that therefore marriage is a concession. So singleness is good. Singleness is great. Paul says, I wish that all were as I am. But as a concession, verse 6, I say, because of your lack of of self-control, lest you burn with passion, uh, verse 9, then go ahead and get married again. So 
not exactly a raving endorsement of marriage. I mean, if we're really honest about it, um, what it kind of boils down to is singleness is better. And uh, we'll get to why in a minute, but singleness is better. Um, but if you, if you can't do that, you know, if, if you don't have what it takes to be single without, you know, burn a hole in your pants, then you should go ahead and get married. Um, there's, there's, there's really, again, no way around it. Um, so much of what the Bible, how the Bible describes singleness and, and marriage, not just in, in this text, but you're going to see it time and time again tonight. Really, a lot of it does boil down to sex. Um, and, you know, implicit in Paul's argument here is that sex is made for marriage um, to become one flesh. Again, we'll get to that as well. But, but otherwise, his whole argument here, his whole train of thought in 1 Corinthians 7 doesn't really make sense. Um, you know, if you, if, again, if, you, if you're burning with desire, to a certain extent, how do you know that you're ready to get married? Because you can't keep it in your pants anymore. Like that, that's kind of what he's saying here in 1 Corinthians 7. That's how you know yeah, it's time to get married. And, and it bears mentioning, too, the cultural context. Like, they got married. Like, we, we talk about getting married young because we were both out of college, 22, 23. We would have been like, you know, what's wrong with them back in Paul's day? Because if you got married back then, you were you know, 15, 16 probably. Um, just just after puberty, like just long enough to start again noticing noticing the, the opposite sex and 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 then get uh, betrothed. So that's verses two, six, and nine. Yeah, verses verses three and five. Uh, as it's up on the screen, like sex is a gift for marriage. It's only meant to be within. Uh, the marital uh, context. Uh, we'll talk more about this later in the marriage section since it fits there well. But but sex is God's idea. When God created everything in the beginning and he had Adam and Eve, nothing constrained God in creation. It's not like, oh, here's the limited bad resources that I have. I'll just have to make these things work. No, he was making the best. He thought it was best that he would create sex for a husband and a wife to engage in and later on we'll we'll talk more about like what that actually looks like that sounds bad not what it actually looks like but we'll talk we will not be showing pictures. <laughs> we're not we're not showing pictures or anything on the screen but but we'll talk about you know what do we even do though if we do have sex before we're married what is it that that we're supposed to do as a result does that mean we can no longer get married? Does that mean my, my marriage is invalid? Uh, not at all, but remembering first and foremost that sex is a gift from God, but it's a gift that's meant to be used for marriage and marriage alone. Verses 7 and 8, um, marriage is a gift from God. Paul makes that clear. Each has his own gift, one of one kind, one of another, in verse 7. So, Marriage is a gift from God. Singleness is, in many ways, a better gift. Paul says in verse 8, again, or sorry, verse 7, I wish that all were as I myself am. Paul was single. And so um, both of, I was this you, both of these things are gifts. Singleness, like 
we want to be real clear in this kind of broad brush workshop of singleness dating marriage that um, we're not we're not brushing we're not treating singleness as you know what you do until you get married like the waiting room or something like that singleness is a gift from God um, and, and you want to you know receive a gift in the way that it's intended and every gift James 2 every gift that comes from from God is good and uh, he's a perfect giver of gifts and so uh, it's not just a gift though no it's also a calling there there are some people who will go their entire life uh, being single and as we've been saying that's not a bad thing Uh, the Lord has assigned you called you either for singleness or marriage both of them they're they're callings they're given to us they're good gifts from god we're all given assignments as believers if we've received redemption we we've been saved by jesus that's a a life-saving rescue but it involves rewiring uh, repurposing it's not just a hey i'm gonna save you and that's it When Jesus saves us, he says, hey, I've saved you, and now I'm going to save you to go be sent to go tell other people about this. That's a calling for us. Just as like I could say, hey, I have a job for you to go do. This is my calling to you. You're meant to go do this, whatever the task is. And you're hopefully, if I tell you to go do something, you're going to go do it because it's going to help me out. Um, but you're going to go do it. It's a calling. God has called us, given this specific direction. So whether that is marriage, when you're married, or whether that's singleness, no matter how long that period may be. It might be for the years of college, maybe a little bit after college, and maybe your entire life. But how we need to think about that calling is like, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to be single Uh, We'll talk about later how it's not a bad thing to be married. Both of us can attest as married pastors that we don't think marriage is a bad thing. Uh, But this isn't all that we have to talk about. We can continue going on to uh, 1 Corinthians 7, verses 25 through 29 and 32 through 35. It's later in the same uh, chapter. Later in the same chapter. It says, Now concerning the betrothed, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to, a, bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. I want you to be free from the anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint on you, but to promote good order to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. All right, so this is the crux of Paul's argument for why singleness is better. It's actually the better gift. And you can already pick up, it's a pretty clear argument that we just read. Um, We'll walk back through it. But for starters, verses 25 and 26, Paul says, don't forget what's most important. All right, this is 
This is picking up on the earlier language of calling that he used in verse 17, uh, what you're called to. And again, this resonates, I think, in particular with us as, as pastors in our you know, line of work. It's, 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 it's common. You, know, you have to have a calling from the Lord to go into it, uh, depending on what you, some of you guys are going into chiropractic and, and things like that. You know, I know physicians in particular. My dad was a physician. You know, you, you, these, we oftentimes talk about vocations like that as, you know, I felt called to do this. Um, I, I sometimes, again, guilty of, of not necessarily thinking of, like you said, my, my singleness, even my, my, my marriage as a calling from the Lord to be used for a certain particular purpose. I think what Paul's saying here, reminding them of in verses 25 and 26 in particular, is what's most important is regardless of any individual kind of calling you feel on your life, to be a pastor, to be a, you know, whatever, to be single, to be married. We all, as, as believers, and Paul, remember, is writing to a church. He's writing to Christian believers in Jesus Christ who surrendered to him as Lord and Savior. He's reminding them, we've all received a universal calling, and that is to go, Mark 16, 15, preach the gospel to all nations, Matthew 28, 19, to make disciples of all nations. Uh, that's the, the common calling that Paul's reminding them of is, hey, look, we're here uh, for one main reason, and that's to be light in a dark world, salt in a, in a bland, tasteless world. Um, to the extent that your singleness furthers that, and he's going to argue it, it should because you have more time, undivided devotion, then you know, that's a good calling from the Lord because it helps you spend more, free up more time to do what's most important, what you've been left here to do. By the same token, he's going to say, look, uh, you know, if, if, if you're married, you can, um, you can certainly use that for God's glory to, to help spread the kingdom as well. But he says, in view of the present distress, that's the phrase that I, I think stands out in verse 26. In view of the present distress. Paul is writing this in distress. There's a sense of urgency that he's writing with here because Paul's looking around and I think you know, we, we ought to pray as believers that God would also give us the kind of spiritual eyes to see people the way that God sees people. And I think Paul's looking around and he, you know, Paul's dealing with the, the reality of, you know, his friend down at the, the workshop and, and, and the other merchant that sells tents beside him at the, at the you know, town square or whatever, and knowing that they don't know Jesus yet. And he's been trying to tell them, and he's like, man, if they die tomorrow, they're going to go spend eternity in hell. That's, that's distressing to Paul. Like, he loses sleep over that. So he's got this sense of urgency about, you know, we want to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth. We want to see, you know, disciples... Uh, be made who make disciples who who proclaim the gospel everywhere and so that is what's most important that's what Paul doesn't want us to lose sight of whether you're single whether you're married you know don't waste time being discontent which is a segue to, to verse 27 yeah Paul Paul saying hey whatever season you find yourself in whether that be your betrothed or that means you're, you're essentially engaged, you're going to marry this person. He says, hey, as important as marriage is, which we'll make the argument for later, Paul's trying to help us like keep correct perspective. He's saying, hey, what's most important now 
is your obedience to God. Like, it's great if you desire to be married. That's not a bad thing. But he says what's most important, no matter what you're doing, is that you're being obedient to God, that that is your primary focus. And if that's your focus, whether you find yourself in uh, a season of singleness versus dating or marriage, you're going to be content because you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're following that calling that God has given to you. And you're going to find satisfaction in that versus pursuing after something else. We can pursue after whatever we want, but the truth is it's, it's not always what we want in the end. We think it is like, hey, if I could just have that, I know that I would be happy, that I would be content. And that's verse 28 as well. Beware of the grass is always greener. It's the same discontentment that Paul is worrying us about, uh, uh, warning us about. Again, he says, those who marry will have worldly troubles. How many of y'all wipe someone else's butt today? Okay. The parents in the room, right? This is, this is like, you know, those of you who are single and you're like, man, I just want to share my life with someone. This is what happens when you, when you get there is you get to wipe people's butt. How many of y'all spent your whole day running errands for someone else? Like doing someone else's, exactly, that's where that's I was going with that. My wife did. That's what you get to, to sign up for when we're coming to marriage, but that's what you sign up for is self-sacrifice. You know, deny, Jesus says, if anyone wants to come after me, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That's really what marriage is. I mean, that's, that's kind of a snapshot of marriage is not only now are you dying to yourself to live for Christ, you're living for this other person too. You're putting someone else's needs and wants above your own. And so um, Paul's saying, Look, that's, that's a lot to sign up for. Um, that's going to put certain restrictions on you. You're going to have to be anxious about certain worldly things, like getting pizza for this you know, event that your husband's dragging you to. She wants to be here. Just, but you know, this, this, is, this is what marriage is, right? Um, and by the same token, too, you know, there's a lot of great things about marriage. Um, and it doesn't do me any good to... And I don't do this. We don't, you know, ever do this. But uh, to sit around and like, you know, reminisce about the the, the glory days of, of of being single and, and not being tied down and that sort of thing. Paul's trying to get us away from the grass is always uh, greener. Be content in whichever station of life God has assigned to you in the present. Now, singleness, as Paul's been talking about in verses thirty-two through thirty-five, allows you to focus on God. Uh, his message, message is pretty clear, is that singleness is better because it doesn't bring all those extra attachments that he's talking about, that you're going to have your mind pulled to separate directions. No longer are you just having to care about yourself, but now I have the responsibility that for my wife and also my children, providing for them. Uh, we'll make the case, like, why marriage, we might be painting a picture like marriage is bad. So if you're married and you're like, man, marriage must be really bad if we're talking, it's not. Well, when we're talking about singleness, we want to make it feel really bad. So you're like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> and then when we get to marriage, you'll, you'll forget and, and we'll be like, oh, singleness is the worst. Marriage is the best. And that because that's what the Bible does, you know. It's... Yeah. And so if you're single and, and not content, a question that you need to ask yourself, like, okay, I, I'm not finding contentment in my singleness, we need to ask the question, like, is Jesus actually enough for me? Like, we're getting to the real questions, like, 
is Jesus enough for me that I don't have to be married in order to find satisfaction? And the truth is Jesus should be so important to us that we can find satisfaction in him and him alone without finding a significant other. But on the flip side, longing for marriage isn't bad. That just might be a way of God saying, hey, you've been in this season of singleness. Now I'm calling you towards marriage because you're still desiring it and you're still obeying Jesus. There's a a two-part assignment to it. While you're in singleness, you have to be open to the idea that maybe God has called me to singleness my entire life and I'm going to follow him in obedience. Or I'm content in my singleness, but now I'm starting to desire for marriage. That's God's way of saying, hey, you've served your purpose. I desire for you to be married now. And in that, he's going to better use you because you are married. I think of when I was a sophomore in college, um, I like Will said, I went to Bob Jones, and as a Bible major there, we were required to do certain ministries over the entire summer, like go intern at a church, go work at a cool Christian camp, something like that, and I didn't want to do any of that. I was like, that stuff's boring. That's what all my friends are doing. So what I did is I contacted the guy, and I went to the inner city of Indy, and I lived in a family shelter where there were gang violence and shootings literally every single night. For an entire summer, I worked at an inner city youth center in the ghetto of the ghetto. And picture me about this tall as a sophomore in college with bigger glasses and not athletic at all. And here I am with all these kids who don't look like me, who don't care about what I have to say. But if I was married, I can tell you for sure, I would not take my wife to go live in some family shelter to go minister to some kids where there's potential that I could get shot. Like we went to training at the police station. Like what do you do if there's a gang fight in the middle of the basketball court? And so singleness allowed me to better serve in a capacity that I couldn't if I was married. It's not all like God's holding something away. He says, hey, you can better serve me if you are single because you won't have all these worries. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastor. Uh, Part two of this singleness session will be dropping on Friday. Remember that each week you can ask your question at the info bar at West Hills or by submitting them online through our website at westhillsstl.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. Thanks for listening.